are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. another episode of Call for Caring's The Empowerment Hour. My name is Michelle Bolden and I'm your guide as we journey through caregiving together. The Empowerment Hour will bring inspiration, education, and resources to our audience of family caregivers. The tangible information provided during our podcast today will be able to be used immediately. In our second season, we wanted to bring a focus on call to action, awareness of ourselves, Um, call to action for our family and our community. Today's episode brings um, a call to action for ourselves and our family. We are discussing the sensitive topic of financials, um, long-term planning, planning for your loved one's journey, and hopefully giving you the tools to plan for yourself. So what I want to do is begin with kind of defining long-term care planning and also providing a little stats around long-term care planning. So when we talk about long-term planning, we're normally referring to where you will live as you age, okay? Most people want to age in their homes, some in an assistant living facility, others may want to be in a nursing home or long-term care facility. Memory care for those who have dementia, um, a residential or personal compare home, which are smaller amounts of beds in one space, or maybe a retirement community where you can go from independent living to assistant living, and to long-term care facility based upon how your illness progressed. Um, But whatever selection that that is in your mind, variation is available, all will require some form of payment. The Pennsylvania Health Care Association states that an estimated 70% of people turning 65 will require long-term care in their lifetime. Pennsylvania has approximately 700 nursing homes with 88,000 beds available, Um, 88,000 beds available. While in Georgia, we have about 357 long-term care facilities that serve over 40,000 residents per the Georgia Department of Community Health. Regardless of where you are in your state, there is a limitation of how many beds are available. So we really have to think about that option outside of just long-term care, but really look at those other options that are available when we look at this entire plan. So those numbers just really demonstrate the limitations that are available. So when we talk about the numbers about other options, Jen Worth has calculated the monthly median income or the monthly median costs in 2021 for a home health aid was about $5,200. Um, for adult day health care was about $1,700. An assistant living facility was about $4,500. A nursing home facility semi-private bed was about $7,900. So our topic today is focusing around this cost. It is avoiding the caregiver crisis as it relates to long-term care planning. Our guest today is Jonathan Miller of Longevity Income Solutions, whose work and passion is to assist families in meeting the challenge of long-term care. Welcome, John. Well, Michelle, good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you? 
I'm doing great and I am thrilled. I'm so happy we could uh, spend some time together and talk about this uh, unfortunate situation that's happened to a lot of families um, yeah. in trying to determine how they want to pay for this care. How are they going to how are they going to be able to manage the journey through a period of time, knowing that they'll have the money that they need for that levels of for those levels of care. So it's a, a conversation that I think provides education, guidance and uh, support for you and the uh, listeners that are here today. Absolutely. So can you start by kind of telling us a little bit about yourself a little more? We hear the passion in your voice. Um, but share a little more about your background and your current work. So uh, I started, I'm going to date myself a little bit. I have 35 years plus in the senior healthcare, uh, healthcare demographic and, and that in space. Uh, I've done all sides. I've done this side from working with insurance companies uh, to create long-term care product for our seniors. I've managed and ran operations for long-term care policies. So to understand how to turn on the benefits, which is a challenge all in itself. And then I've also been on the distribution on the sales side, where I've been able to show agents and educate them and show them the real value and how to protect a senior's assets by having a long-term care policy. Right. Recently, uh, the light bulb went off and I realized that there were only about 15, maybe 20% that had actually planned. But what about the 80% that didn't plan? Right. And I found that there was a huge void in, re not that there weren't resources, but people didn't know where to go find resources. Mm -hmm. And to understand that if you didn't plan, it's not the end of the world. Right because there are options available. So at Longevity Income Solutions, we created this educational resource to help seniors understand and how to manage the care journey, not only what's happening in today's environment, but how it's going to affect you for maybe two, three years down the road. Right. You know, if I might just add two stats that really stick with me on, on, a, on a regular basis when I'm having these conversations. There's 70 million baby boomers in the US. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who's taking care of them. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so I, that's something that is that keeps me awake at night is to say, we have to figure that issue out. And we have to make sure our caregivers are educated and understand what that journey looks like. And then the second is 50% of our population isn't married. Who's providing care for them? Right. So there's a couple of pieces that are in, in this care journey about that equate to dollars and cents, but we have to look at the population first to identify who really falls into this right. journey. And, and that 50% may not even have children. And so, right? So. No, and that's correct. And, and it takes about an extra, you know, for caregiver management, I'm, I'm not, uh, you understand this. It takes about 24 hours extra a week for caregiving management. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you are a son or a daughter of a family, you know, of a loved one who's needing care, most likely you're probably working 40, 50 hours already a week. That's right. right? So the question is, where do these other 24 hours come in? That's right. And, and then taking care of a family and having a life of your own somewhat, uh, yes, adds that to the pool as well. So definitely. 
So we try to uh, we try uh, you know, longevity to show you that you just don't need to throw your hands up and say, I, I can't do this or where do I go? Or, what do I do? We try to be that resource to provide the, the knowledge and the information that is needed to make educated decisions. So where would you say is the best time for someone to kind of involve you all in your planning and the journey? So human nature is that we kind of procrastinate, right? So that, that's, you know, just the way it is. So we usually wait for the crisis or something to occur uh, before we really figure out that we haven't planned or we, don't, we didn't plan properly. But if you're looking at a perfect world, um, you know, a lot of people look at it as it, it's an age issue. You know, well, when do I start? But it really has to fall into what's your health like? Because health will dictate a lot of the options that you have for the future. If you are healthy and you're able to then determine what options, because if you want to go down the route or the route of looking for a long-term care plan or a long-term care insurance type scenario, Mm -hmm. then you have to be healthy to qualify for that. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, those options get thrown out the window. So now you're limited to another set of options. So I always say younger, but when you're healthy, when you feel good and not waiting for the crisis, that's the best time to really start in your mind to be like, you know what? There's no time like the present before this critical illness. And, you know, that's such a great point about the health, because we're finding people are being diagnosed with dementia earlier or an earlier age now. Right. And so or they're doing the genetic screening, which identifies they need to prepare for it very early. So that is a great point about it's not necessarily the age. And we have some 90 year olds who are doing much better than some 50 year olds. Right. They're quite healthy. They're walking five miles a day. Yeah. Uh, so it just is very individualized. But in general, the earlier, the better is is really what you want to do. And I always tell people, it doesn't matter where you are on your journey. It's still a good time for you to start planning. You know, we, we, we do reactive planning or proactive, but planning is good at any time. Any planning is good planning. Right. It could right. be as simple as maybe we're not looking at it initially financial or we're kind of looking into what it looks like from a financial side, but why not just even look at the basic in the beginning of planning? Do you have a power of attorney? Do you have a living will? Like these are the kind of questions people look at as as financial uh, um, support to the journey, but we really go a lot deeper than that. We want to find out in the planning, have you looked at the right documentation for legal? Mm -hmm. And if you, if you can start thinking about it from that, it doesn't get as overwhelming when you sit there and say, what do I do? Where do I start? Right. So I try to back it in to a very basic uh, approach of saying, let's just ask some, let's just have a conversation. Th- so that's the best talk- I'm sorry, John, go ahead. No, I was just saying, just having a conversation can be right. some of the, the, the best part of planning because you're usually going to get information that you didn't have before and you're going to be able to make educated decisions. And so as we talk about like those basic steps, what would you say are three areas of basic planning that every caregiver, every caregiver should address as they're preparing for this long-term care journey? So again, um, we usually get involved more times than not um, when the crisis is hit, when the journey is in full force, probably a year 
prior, we probably could have been contacted and started doing some work. But in our situation, there are really three areas that I really try to um, employ to the to the family, and that is understand for the caregiver side of it, understand the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, the family is in a lot of different areas, maybe of the country. They have a lot of different objection of objectives and goals, maybe at the end of the day that maybe don't mesh well with a sibling or another family member. So I always say, understand the family dynamic and try to get everybody to the table. Try to get everybody to hear what they have to say in their opinion, because as you as caregiver, you need to focus on one thing, the care. You can't be worried about the personalities and the things that are happening behind the scenes and making a lot of noise. You got to be able to do your job. So that family dynamic is number one. Number two, make sure, again, I come back to the legal documents. Make sure these legal documents are power of attorney, living will. As caregiver, there's going to be a time that decisions have to be reached, especially if there's a cognitive issue. Mm -hmm. You have to know... If you're going to make some of these real-time decisions, you know, in in an effective way, you have to know exactly who to go to and where to go to to get the information that you need to provide the care that you have to, that you're trying to help with uh, this particular person. So that's a second area that I think is really important early on. And then the third part is make sure that the care that you're providing is consistent with a the needs of that person and that the cost is evaluated to know that the caregiver can give the right care regardless if it's a family member or if it's from a home health care agency wherever or if it's even a community understand what the care cost is going to be and does the family or does the person have the ability to see this through and what options are available to them mm-hmm. as this journey continues. Okay. So I look for that consistency side of the care need to the care costs. And I look for uh, making sure that that caregiver has everything at their disposal to do the effective caregiving. And, you know, I think that those three areas that you mentioned are really important Um, in the beginning, because you also want to make sure that your loved one is in that decision. And if you're dealing with dementia or any other type of illness where it progresses, then having the loved one's opinion in there is so important and it takes the weight off of the family, right? And so as the caregiver, I don't want to necessarily just, you know, say that um, this is what I think mom should want, but I want mom to be able to speak for herself. And that takes away the bickering among the siblings And it also gives directions of our goal is to give the best care, which means that we're doing what they want us to do. Not from our perspective, but from mom and dad's or whomever's perspective. If you don't have lines of communication, open lines of communication, how can you expect to execute? Mm -hmm. It's impossible. You, You know, and that's why I am very proactive and knowing that there has to be that chief of staff, there has to be that project manager. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to have the lines of communication open. And families can't afford 
delays um, a lot of times. They have to be able to be able to act. And if there's family drama that's in the process, the care is going to be affected. Absolutely. And um, I, I, I can't stress enough that you said it, and I think that's a wonderful advice. Why shouldn't the person receiving the care and the loved one be actively involved in the conversation? Mm-hmm. I understand it's maybe there's a cognitive issue and, and if they're not, abil- they don't have the ability, but why not have that person tell them, the family, tell the caregiver, here's what I would like. Right. It, it, you know, it's, it, it could be, we, we talk about this all the time as, as the project manager, we're like, let's find out what their end of life thoughts are. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not be for a long, long time, but nobody, has anybody asked them? Right. That's right. Because you're so locked into the crisis and the, and this, and the stress that goes along with it and the, and the, and the drama that you forget to ask the person who really matters. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as as we're in this and we learn from it from ourselves. So that second step you talked about pretty much around estate planning, begin to do that for yourself. That means that your loved ones can know what you want while you're hopefully in your right state of mind as you could possibly be um, in order to share what you want for yourself as well. So that's when when I talk about the call of care to call the action for our loved ones and ourselves, this is an opportunity to kind of begin to think about what can I do for myself as well? You know, we have a, a, a saying at longevity that you have to be able to pivot. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to immediately know that the care plan that's in place has to change potentially. And with that change, there could be a cost change. So you have to be able to identify and know that what you put in play today most likely won't be the same a year, 18 months from now. Mm -hmm. And that's a big piece. I think a lot of caregivers and a lot of families don't realize of the, in the planning process, you have to look at the total journey of what's happening. So as we talk about kind of being in the journey um, so if you're in the midst of caring for someone, you know, is it too late to plan? Is there a specific advice you would provide for a family who's in the middle of this journey, but unsure where to even back up and, and restart again with trying to get this long-term plan together? Uh, to answer your question, it's never too late to plan. Mm-hmm. There's always an option. And are you really looking at the benefits that are available? It's not only about what your assets that you currently have or what you have is, and I think a lot of families don't really understand what they have. They think their savings accounts, their savings account. Well, that's an asset, right? They think that it has to be either a stock or a bond, or it has to be over here where, well, they say, I've had families say, I have this in the bank. I'm like, how much do you have in the bank? That's an asset. Oh, that's my savings account, (laughs) right? So it's, you have to have the conversations. So a lot of families don't know what they have. So you start with that piece, but also understanding maybe there's some VA benefits potentially. Maybe there's a long-term care policy that, so you have to look at is the planning that's in place needs to be reviewed and looked at, but we always have an option for the family, except the older you get 
and the more medical conditions you have, those options diminish, right? right? Those, and, and I think that's what, as why I was saying, it's so much when you're younger or healthier, you have more options available to you in the planning. But if you're in the crisis and you are trying to figure this out, what we want to do is we want to make sure your assets are able to support your care needs today and in the future. And maybe there is a plan B down the road. Maybe your assets aren't going to be plentiful enough to carry you through this entire journey, but you're going to know it today. Right. And you're going to know exactly what your options are so that when it does happen, you're prepared and you're ready right. for that scenario. So it, it look, the planning and the, the situation for a person in the journey is a lot more than just looking at existing assets. It's also looking at other ways to create the strategies to pay for the care. And, you know, as, as you were talking about some of the opportunities with the VA benefits or long-term care policies, um, whether you're in the beginning of the planning stage, that's, to, that's where you want to identify where are the veteran documents? How do I know what their numbers were as it relates to their position in the Army or the Navy? You know, who held the long-term care policy? And so having that initial conversation and those details are really important that we often don't want to talk about because it's so sensitive to talk about our families or parents' finances. And so um, as when you talk about the first step, basic step is just planning, getting those details of where those things are, who did they work for, you know, where are the policies, all those things are so important because that delays care as well. We have to find out where they are, are they still active? Those are such critical points um, in that planning process. We call them touch points, right? And when we have this conversation and we, before we even do the deep dive, as I like to call it, we're saying there is a tier of touch points. A tier one is medical, legal, financial, emergency, family. Mm. We're touching on those five points in our initial consul our initial conversation. Wow. Like we we need to be able to start to create the 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 um, the picture as to what's happening with mm. this family. And where are the challenges going to be? If somebody says to somebody says, "Well, I have a box," right? Or if somebody says, "I have a file system," okay. <laughs> there's there's two different sides of that story, right? Always a box. Somebody always so, a box. there's always a box, right? But the, do they know what's in the box? But a file system, I got pretty sure that I, they're going to know what's in the file system, but they just don't know how to maybe use the file system. Now, long term care, you touched on long term care. Long-term care is that we spend more time turning on benefits for families of long-term care because they don't understand the policies. They don't know what they have. Mm -hmm. They know that they've been paying for it for years and they can tell you how much they paid, and but they really can't tell you what it's going to pay for or how to turn the benefits on. So with my background working on the insurance company carrier side, I spend a lot of time cutting through that red tape and helping families turn on their long-term care policies. Oh, wow. That's great. They have that expertise of, of what's in the background back there, things that you all talk about in the industry that the families don't understand. And so you understand the conversation to have with those industry folks, as well as the protections for the family. So that's a great benefit to uh, for the families to be able to uh, receive from you all. So, so what spending 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, so what we'll do is we're going to take a short sponsor break and then we're going to return back and learn a little bit more about how John and his team has directly impacted the families um, that they work with. So we'll be right back. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back. We are talking with Jonathan Miller of Longevity Income Solutions. So, John, let's just jump right back into our conversation. Um, can you share an example of how your services impacted the lives of a caregiver and their loved one? Sure. Uh, it, it's part of uh, any plan that we put in place involves and has to involve the levels of care and has to in, and look at that caregiver, what is the challenges that that person's facing on a day-to-day basis, what's the family experiencing, um, and how do we put some of the reduction of stress, how do we reduce some of that stress? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times the stress is related to dollars and cents, financial. So besides the other factors of looking at legal and, and, and tax, our focus is on making sure that the finances that the family has is able to pay for the levels of care. So what we do and the time of things we spend is we try to show the family it's okay to spend your assets. A lot of time, the natural reaction is like, oh, I can't spend it because I don't know if I'm going to need it further down the line. And what we say to the caregivers and to the families, if eight, let's just say it's a home care situation. If eight hours is the required amount that a person needs, then we're going to figure out for eight hours a day. And I think once we're able to show families that how their assets can work for them and how they can afford that eight hours a day, and they don't have to cut services to, to just think that they can't afford it, that's a factor that brings the family and the caregiver really together. I mean, because there's a separation there, right? And until you bring both of those units together, it makes it really difficult for the loved one or the person who's receiving care to get the right levels of care and, and the care that's needed. So one of the things that we, we do immediately is work and show them that this is what you have as your, as your assets, and this is how we're going to be able to show you how to use those assets. Um, a lot of financial advisors, planners um, are like, well, are you sure that you, you, can, you can afford this? Do you know what the journey is going to look like? Well, we've already identified that. We already know what the journey is going to look like. We already know what potentially they're going to need down the road. So that's why we're able to say, use it for the right, for the right reason. So that's, that's, that's one of the, 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 the reasons and understanding what that's about. Um, the second piece falls strictly in the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't expect this to be a situation with, you know, longevity because people think about it in dollars and cents, but when a care need and you're in a care journey, 
the family, um, if they're siblings, each have their own objective. And some of them are looking at it from a standpoint, well, that money's really mine, right? I've got to make sure there's some left over, you know, if God forbid something happens to mom or dad. And what we try to show them is if you do it right and you provide the right levels of care and you do it in an effective manner, that more times than not, there will be enough left over because you've managed the care. You've managed the way this, you know, the, what the person needed for that particular situation. And if you bring the siblings together, you bring the family together, then you're going to be able to help. And we do this all the time. Our conversations are not just with the power of attorney, but we ask the power of attorney, say, can you want your brother? Do you want your sister to be part of the conversation? You still have final say. But let's let everybody come in and have a seat at the table. Let's have a conversation. So that's two ways that we really do work every week, every day um, to, to help families get through this journey. And, you know, one of the things that um, I've experienced with you all when it comes to this is that when you look at a financial plan versus what you're doing, you're very specific to a caregiver and what they're going through. So you have the expertise to understand about the care journey as well as the finances in order to make it better. And so when I referred you to a family and their challenge was long-term care insurance, right? What do I do with the long-term care policy? They're telling me one thing, but we believe it's another. They really needed an advocate to jump in and kind of tell them what they should do and how they should do it. And so I think people need to understand that's the type of service that's important and how you impacted that family by being an advocate for them. They would have been going through red tape for months had you guys not stopped in and helped them. So that's the type of advocacy that I think that's really important for our caregivers because they're trying to understand this journey and their main goal, I just want to care for my loved one. I just want to make things better for them. I don't want to have to deal with the money and the lawyer, which again, is a benefit here because you're fishing them out to where they need to go. Oh, you may need to talk to a lawyer. You may need to talk to someone else. And so I think that's the benefit, as you said, someone managing this who understands both sides. You know, it also helps to have a great partner like you to also help me with the clinical and understanding what's happening in that journey so that I can properly give the right planning. But funny story, uh, a family that we originally, uh, uh, mom had cognitive issue, uh, could not live in the, her house anymore, moved in with her daughter into a uh, one bedroom apartment mm. and she had just gotten married. And she was now assigned as the caregiver and it was becoming overwhelming. She worked nine to five, had a new family, new marriage. Mom moves in and basically the brother who lives in another state um, said, no, I, I don't think my, mom's with you now. She should be OK. We shouldn't necessarily need any assistance, added assistance or help or any other caregiver. and. Um, so interesting enough, um, she would stay home in the apartment from nine to five every day. By herself. By herself with a cognitive. And the son would say, I'm going to Zoom with her twice a day. And th thought that that was the right levels of care. And that's why I say, let's make sure the care that receiving 
is for the condition. This is a cognitive. You need act. You need the involvement, activity. You need to be act in, involved and make sure that they're actively involved in you know doing things on a day and day basis. You can't be sitting there all day doing nothing. Yes. Um, so mom wandered out of the apartment. Of course. Yeah. Right. And they found mom, you know, down the road. And we were able to show this. Then the son, you know, we were able to show him, look, if you have somebody in the home just for those eight hours, your sister is going to be able to manage in the, in the evening but now she can't even manage her job because she's worried about the daytime as well as the evening. So let's help her out. Let's bring some you know, assistance in. And at the end of the day, it's that working with the family, showing him how he was able to, if their mom was had plenty of income and had plenty of assets. He was just afraid to use it or he was more concerned about what's going to be left for me. Right. Yeah. So we were able to keep her from going into a community Right. For an extra couple of years in a right. memory, it got to the point where she had to go into a memory care right. environment because she really needed to be that 24-7 care that this daughter couldn't give. But we prolonged it for two years. Yes. Whereas if he wouldn't have agreed and she wandered like she would have, she would have right. been in a care spending a lot more money a lot sooner. So right. there's a situation where we were able to help the family gather through their dollars. Yeah. And you know that that's such a, a common story among those who have dementia. Yeah. Someone is listening who is experiencing right now that same exact situation, right? And so that's why it's so good to share these stories so they can understand you are not alone. And why the brother thought it was best from his level of education, he thought Zoom was appropriate, which when you have a cognitive issue, Zoom is very stressful. Voices are coming from out of a box. You don't know what's going on, right? And so that's, again, why we do this. The education is so important for both sides. We don't know. We're, we're doing the best that we can with what we have. And so we want to be able to educate families to do that. So let's talk about what are two immediate actions that these caregivers should take once they finish listening to the podcast. Uh, number one is I go back to there has to be a chief of staff, project manager, whatever you want to call that person. There has to be somebody identified. And if it can't be within the family unit and if there's nobody that's really stepping up to the plate, that caregiver needs to be able to say, well, there's a group like longevity that can coordinate all this mm -hmm. and make sure. And, and when we come in, if you have a team Keep the team if you're happy with your team, but the team has to talk to one another. Right. So the person who's handling the tax has to also, your accountant has to know how to handle the person that's talking with legal or the person who's talking with your finance. Mm -hmm. The reason why we say that is because a lot of times these care costs, you can have a deduction mm -hmm. uh, off of your taxes. So that person and the has to know that there's care being provided and there's an opportunity to take some deductions at the end of the year. So we bring these people and these teams together. If you don't have somebody, we can recommend, we have network partners that have been vetted out that we work exclusively with that allows us to make sure that nothing's falling through the cracks. So number one, okay. get yourself in a position where you have a voice that you can be, that will hear you and help you get to where you need to be to provide the right levels of care. Mm -hmm. 
Number two is make sure that you understand at the beginning of the journey, you're providing the care, but understand what the cost expectations are. Mm -hmm. Understand what potentially could be for the next two to five years of a person's journey. Right. We know it's going to pivot. We know it's going to change. But if you're allocating the existing assets and they are safe, stable, and accessible when you need to pivot the, or change the levels of care and you're the caregiver or you're providing those services, then it makes your job so much easier to know it's been addressed and it's been looked at and nobody's going to come back and give you pushback and say, no, no, we can't do that right. because I'm not sure we have the assets. That's so two immediate calls to action that I believe for the caregiver will make their job less stressful and will enable them to give the right levels of care. That's right. Okay. Now, are there websites or phone numbers, social media sites people should follow that kind of can assist them um, with their journey um, along the way here? That you so as an educational resource, like we always want to be able to, you know, direct you in a fashion where to go. But to be honest with you, until you really know what you need, you don't really know where to go. Mm. A lot of times they're like, well, I, I don't know where to start. So usually by after a conversation with us and, and we, you know, we have consultations that are no cost. I mean, pick up the phone and let us give you some guidance. And at the end of the conversation, if nothing more, I give you a phone number or I give you a person that's going to be able to help you for what you need. The, Michelle, you know, this is not a cookie cutter situation. Right. Not everybody's in the same boat. Now, you have great resources that I always follow for Georgia that enables us to um, to follow if we need some assistance. But unfortunately, with this problem, we're in 50 states, too. We're national. Mm -hmm. So every state has its own guidelines, has mm -hmm. its own uh, qualifications. So we really do need to understand what's best. I don't want you to go on a fishing expedition, mm -hmm. but you can go to our website and you can always read a little bit about, we have some information on there. You can go through our brochure, but then to really get you to the right place, it usually should be an informal conversation, mm -hmm. okay. but there's plenty of going online, but you're so busy trying to navigate the journey. The last thing you have the time to do is start Googling. Right. Yeah. So there are, um, there are resources. So longevityis.com is our website. Um, on there is also phone numbers that you can, you can, if you want to dial and give us a call, um, email us, um, whatever is easier for you. Um, we will obviously work. The one thing you know about this, um, caregiver uh, crisis is it's not nine to five. It's not Monday through Friday. So it's not like you're going to get a recording. Our office is closed and we'll get back to you Monday morning, right? It's like, you're not going to get that message from yeah. us. Why? Because we know you're in it. You don't have time to wait till Monday morning, 9 a.m. for somebody right. to return the phone call. So right. it has to be real time. And I think that's important in any uh, project manager or chief of staff to have somebody that can react and be with you on the front lines. Mm -hmm. um, so how, what are the best ways that our listeners can get in contact with you? Can you give your contact information? You mentioned. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, I, the contact information is 
longevityis.com. So that's I'll spell it because a lot of people get confused by it. It's L-O-N-G-E-V-I-T-Y-I-S.com, like longevity is. And our office line is 855-733-3337. And my personal extension is 103. Uh, and on the website, you can obviously click and if you want to leave an email, it will come to info at longevityis.com. And I have uh, real time access to those inquiries. And just to let you know, we do have a 24 hour rule here at this organization that somebody has to reach out and at least say hello or leave a message that somebody uh, is, uh, you know, give us the time and day and place that we can uh, circle back and get in touch with you. All right. Well, that's great. Thank you. And like you said, you're across your nationwide. And so, um, you know, it doesn't matter what state you are, you can still reach out, reach out and get those resources. So thank you so much, John, for joining us today. We appreciate you sharing all of this impactful information, giving us some call to action. So thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. And I, I love being part of this educational resource for the community. And hopefully um, with everybody um, collectively trying to provide this information that the seniors will be in a better place sooner than later. Absolutely. And that is our goal to support them, disabled, anyone who's being cared for and their caregivers. So thank you. And I love the name Chief of Staff you know, as the caregiver. So that's a good twist in there for them as well. But that's exactly what they do. They are managing the whole process, right? So thanks yeah. again, John. There is a way to avoid caregiver help. Yeah. So um, the Empowerment Hour is presented by Call for Caring. Our organization supports caregivers through resources like today's podcast, our expo, courses, and grants. Um, now, this year, we're having our fourth Atlanta Family Caregiver Expo on November 18th at Impact Church. So stay tuned for a little more details about that. You can find out information about our other opportunities, our grants or programming at callforcaring.org. Today's episode can be heard on uptomeradio.com or your favorite podcast platform. We also have added episodes from season one to um, we've added episodes to the call for caring youtube channel for season one and we'll continue to do that um, we hope today's episode of the empowerment hour has met our goal to educate elevate and empower caregivers during their caregiver journey thank you <music>